we're here at these Christmas services, <clears throat> and as we, I have this fear, because like as we read the texts, you know, they're so familiar that you could just kind of gloss over them and not even think about them. It's possible to receive and read these texts that we're going to be going through last week, this week, next week, and the next, and just go, oh, yeah, 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 I know about that, and then tune it out. But I want you to come to the scriptures today with sort of a, a humble heart and an open mind. Because not everything that you were taught about Christmas is true. Like, for instance, did you know that the wise men were not there at the birth of Jesus? <gasps> I know, it's such a shock. No, they saw the star in the sky and then those wise men began to journey towards Jesus. Jesus was, a, was a, a toddler, a young child, maybe two years old when they showed up. Isn't that crazy? But you thought they were there because it's in every nativity scene, right? Did you also know, here's another piece of trivia, did you also know that the Bible never says that they were three wise men? Could have been a gang of them. Could have been two of them. They just brought three gifts. And so we assume, because they brought three gifts, that there were three wise men. But it's not necessarily so. Could have been a hundred of them. And in fact, if you were going to make a journey that long, you probably would have brought more people with you. So things like that, you just go, oh my gosh, I've been believing this my whole life. Well, listen, what other things have you been believing your whole life? Here's, here's a thought. Is it possible that if you got some of the things about the Christmas narrative wrong, that maybe there's some things about Jesus that you got wrong. There's maybe some things that, that are about Jesus that are not true, that you need to sort of shake off. Today we're going to be looking at who Jesus is and what he means to us and how this Christmas thing transforms our life. We're going to be looking at Luke Chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Would you stand with me at the reading of God's word? And again, I want you to have a humble receiving mind because this is earth shattering. This is like the most important moment in like history. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. The Bible reads... And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. Look at me. You could not have, it's hard to have picked a person lower on the societal ladder than shepherds. They were not respected. They were not, they were not ceremonially clean. These shepherds had nothing to offer themselves to God. Keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior 
who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was this there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This ends the reading of God's word. Would you please have a seat? So what we're going to do is we'll, let's see if we can't discover new things about Jesus and maybe make this Christmas be more meaningful than just purchasing gifts or being with family, as beautiful and as noteworthy as those things are. But maybe there's something even more significant to it. Are you down? Can we do it? Yes. All right, let's do it. So who is Jesus? Remember, this is the declaration that the angels bring. Jesus, I want you to see first of all, is Savior. Do you see that? He is Savior. If, by the way, in your bulletins, you have what we call a sermon map. And inside the uh, bulletin and sermon, you can fill out. The reason that we ask you to fill out is because you'll be able to um, stick with the sermon a little bit closer. And let's just face it. The shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. Right. And so you'll remember better if you write it down. So go ahead and write this down. Jesus is Savior. Now, this is significant because what is a Savior? Let me tell you what a Savior is in words that you might be able to understand. Jesus is the rescuer. That's who Jesus is. He's the Savior. That means he's our rescuer. Jesus is a rescuer because you and I don't need a coach. Jesus is a rescuer. Do you see it there in verse 11? For unto you is born this day in the city of David, someone say it with me, a Savior. He's a Savior. Jesus is a Savior. He's a rescuer. Because you and I don't need four steps to be a little bit better than what we are. We don't need a life coach. We don't need uh, a person. We don't need a helper. What we need is a savior, a rescuer. If you were trapped under the rubble of the Twin Towers back in 2001, you don't need good advice at that point. You need a rescuer. There, you would have no power in and of yourself to do anything. In fact, you would be as good as dead if someone doesn't come by and save you. That's what Jesus is. The Bible says that you and I are dead in our trespasses, that there's no good things in us. And I know that that doesn't sound very sensitive or culturally okay, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the Bible says, the Bible um, appraises us for where we're at. It's like, yeah, no, it's just, the Bible says what you need is you need a rescuer. That our hearts are far from God. That our desire is for our own 
well-being and our own selfishness. And God says, no, 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 I want to I transform your dead, stony heart into a real heart of flesh that receives the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you can't do that on your own. You are like that person under the rubble, screaming out. And yet, most of us don't scream out because we don't think we need a Savior. You see, you never know, you never need a Savior unless you realize how dire your situation is. Imagine, you're in a beach, you're having the time of your life, you're having so much fun, and then all of a sudden you see this like lunatic, like blowing his whistle, and just screaming at you, and you don't understand, and then he comes on that like uh, sort of big surfboard that they have, and then he grabs you by the neck, and starts paddling you back as fast as he can, and he starts moving back, and you would be like, get off me, get off me, what are you doing? There would be fury. You'll be like, what are you doing, you lunatic? And then it, you might even take a swing. You might be so offended, you might take a swing at him. But what if after you took his swing, he dodged and then pointed your face towards the shark that was coming your way? You would say, oh my goodness, you saved me. You saved my Your heart would be all turned around. Why? Because now you recognize the danger and you recognize that he did what you could not do. He recognized the danger and he took it upon himself to save you. Listen to me. That's what Jesus does. He saves us, but many of us get offended by the idea of Jesus saving us because we don't see the predicament that we're in. We don't see how terrible our situation actually is. Again, we don't need a helper to make us a little bit better people than we are. See, the American gospel is this, that we are good people. Christian, you, know what, who, you know what Christians are? Christians are good people. That's not true. That's not true. Christians aren't good people. Christians are forgiven people. Christians are bad people who recognize their badness and recognize their need for forgiveness. Christians are people who are saved by the one who rescues. He's a rescuer. That's what we see in this text. Jesus is a savior. He's a rescuer. Secondly, we see in, in that same verse, Jesus, and then let's see it, if you see it there, for unto you, born this day in the city of David, a savior who is, what's the next word? Christ. Jesus is Christ. He's the Messiah. Now this is big. Because what is a Messiah? A Messiah is the fulfillment of promises. The person who fulfills the promises that were given in the Old Testament. He's the one on whom our hopes lie. Jesus is the Christ, that is, the promise fulfiller. Now, this is important because not only do you need a Savior, and by the way, let me just say this, whether you need a Savior from in this particular day when they were ruled by the Romans, you need a Savior who could save you from the Roman rule, or in our day and you need a Savior, you need to be saved from your 
from your impossible longing to be liked. Or maybe your addiction to alcohol or some other chemical. Or maybe you need to be saved from this idea that you're not anyone unless you're in a romantic relationship. Or maybe you need to be saved from your your dependence on prescription medication that's not taken the way the doctor prescribed. I don't know, but he saves. Not only does he save, but he's also the Christ, the Messiah, the promise fulfiller. This, this God has promises for those of us who are in Christ. Promises that he would, listen to me, listen, that he would forgive your sin, that he would remove your shame. Many of us who have started to follow Jesus, follow Jesus, but follow Jesus with like the shame that sort of tracks with you. And Jesus says, no, 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 I take away the shame. I take it away. You no longer have to walk in the shame that you've walked around in your whole life. I remember I had this, this, this thing. When I first came to Christ, the Lord reminded me of this thing. Do you have this thing that you think that is bad, that you can't tell? Any, anybody here have a, like a skeleton in the closet? Go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah, me too. Right, okay, six of you. Okay, great, let me talk to six of you. Okay, watch this. So this is important, this is important. That, that sort of that skeleton in the closet, I had one that I thought could never be forgiven. I mean, never. I could, listen, I've done breaking and enterings. I knew that could be forgiven. I had been in stolen cars. One of the worst things, I remember one time driving a stolen car, and let me just see if I can show you how horrible a human being I am. I was in a stolen car, I was with my friend. We were driving, I, I was looking to change uh, the radio station, and I went through a stop sign, and it, I was new to driving. And so I lifted up my foot and slammed in, in a Monte Carlo SS V8 with a V8 engine. I went and I slammed on the gas, and I T-boned this car. Did I kill them? Did I scar them? I wouldn't know because I jumped out of the car and ran. See, there's a shame that I have because of the life that I lived that I thought no one could ever forgive me for this. This is not just a harm done to, was there a family there? Was there a baby there? Was there an old person, frail person? You see, I needed a Messiah. One who could forgive even the unforgivable. I don't know what your unforgivable thing is, but I'm telling you that he forgives in a profound, profound way. That his forgiveness is deeper and greater because he fulfills the promise to forgive your sins. If we really believed that, the shame that we walk around with 
the shame of not taking care of our kids, the shame of the abuse that was done to us, the shame that we live with. He addresses that and he promises, he says all of that. Listen, Edwin, you know what you deserve for having done that? You deserve the death penalty. That's how great that sin is. You deserve the death penalty. And I see you and I see that as guilty. And then you know what he does? He says, I take on your guilt upon me. And I take the death penalty that you deserve on me. Because I'm going to fulfill the promise to take your place. He's a promise fulfiller. And if he could do it for me, he could do it for you. Merry Christmas. He is the one who comes to fulfill the promise. The promise that there is no sin so great that he is not greater still. That's an amazing gift. Jesus, who is Jesus? He's a savior. Who else is Jesus? He's a, he's a rescuer. He's a promise fulfiller. Thirdly, and this is important, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. Do you see it there? It's in, for unto you, still verse 11, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, this is super important. I want you to see this because if we look at verse 9, well, here, let's write this down. Put this down. He's, Jesus is Lord. What does it mean that he's Lord, right? So what does it mean he's a Savior? Savior, he's a rescuer. He's Christ, that means he's the promise fulfiller. He's Lord. He's going to have angels appearing in glory, revealing his glory, and then just wait right there. He's the king of the universe. Angels are announcing him. Angels are announcing him to nobodies. Think about that. He's the king of the world. And he goes to nobodies. And he says, there's glory here. There's ma majesty here. There is light that you can't absorb. The reason that the angels have to tell the shepherds, don't be afraid, is because they were very afraid. Not just like a startling, oh my gosh, I almost got hit by a car. But I'm talking terror. These guys are awesome, and the angels are nothing in comparison to the glory of God found in Christ. He is glorious. He appears in glory. He reveals glory, and he reveals, he reveals it to shepherds, to nobodies. That's good news for us, because he reveals that to us, and you don't have to be somebody, and you don't have to earn it, and you don't have to have a whole lot of money. You don't have to have a whole lot of education. You don't have to be drug-free for 20 days or three years. You could be smoked out here in this service, and God is saying, I'm trying to reveal myself to you. You could be on a, a wonderful moral high and teach little children and volunteer for the soup kitchen and the food pantry. And he goes, listen, I'm coming to you. I'm knocking on your door. I'm glorious. 
I'm beyond what you can imagine. I'm bigger than you think, and I'm bigger than what you can think. I'm glorious. In verse 9, he says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So what does this glorious one do? The one who's the king of all. The one who owns everything. He's going to be Lord. He is Lord. He appears in glory, and then he's going to reveal his glory. How? How? By lying in a smelly, nasty feeding trough. That's how. The king of the universe. Are you okay with a savior like that? With a Lord like that? Yesterday, I was in this um, event. They asked me to come and pray. It was in New Jersey, and uh, we had um, uh, Muslims, and we had uh, um, Hindus, and we had some other faiths um, that were there. There's about four or five other faiths that were there, but it's mostly for um, uh, Middle Eastern Pakistani um, uh, people. And, and they asked me to come and to do the prayer. And, and I was listening. Uh, the, the theme of it was, what does Christmas mean to you? And so the Muslims came in and they shared what they meant to them. And the, and the Hindus came in and they shared what it meant to them. Listen, 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 listen. There's no room for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be born in a smelly, nasty manger. But such is the love of God. He could have been born in a king's palace. He could have come powerfully on a horse made of air. Flying from the sky. He could have done all of that. And yet he comes humble and lowly. And he tells shepherds, people who do not deserve this great news. He tells them, I'm coming. I'm here. I'm revealing myself. The glory of God is revealed and being born as a baby in a smelly manger. Don't you see? He does all of this for you. You go, I don't deserve God's love. Of course you don't deserve God's love. That's the gift of Christmas. You go, but you don't know what I've done. I know that's the point of Christmas, that God knows what you've done and he pursues you at all. But you don't understand. Like, like I, I have a past, and I go, it's like, dude, I just, I just confessed to you one of the terrible things that I've done. I'm telling you, I'm the worst person in this room. I promise you, I'm the worst person in this room. Listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus saves even wretches like me. That's the gift of Christmas. 
So now that we see Jesus, because we're trying to get a bigger picture of Jesus, so we see Jesus, we see him as Savior, which means rescuer. We see him as Christ, which means pro promise fulfiller. We, we see him as Lord, which is the one who reveals his glory and appears in glory, yet in a smelly, nasty feeding trough. Listen. What does finding Jesus produce? These shepherds go and they find this beautiful, precious Jesus. And here's what it produces. You see it in verse 13. And so, uh, uh, verse 12, and this will be a sign to you. You will find it. It's incredible. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now jump down to verse 14. The, the heavenly host praising God saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What does finding Jesus produce? Finding Jesus produces great joy. Glorious peace. We find Jesus, and he does for us what we can't do ourselves. He gives the forgiveness that you need but weren't looking for. He gives you the comfort that you desperately need but weren't searching for. He gives you the presence that you desperately need, but weren't asking for. He comes himself to produce and give to you what you do not deserve. It produces great joy. Why great joy? Why? Because no matter where you are, you can be rescued. Rescued from your addiction to pornography, rescued from your addiction to substances, rescued from your depression, rescued from your loneliness, rescued from your terrible situation. He's a rescuer. He's a promise fulfiller. And God fulfills his promises to you. So many promises to be with you, to be for you, to love you well to draw you to himself, to grow you. He fulfills those promises. And he comes in the most humble way. My prayer, my prayer is that you would receive this Christmas the real Jesus and that your sadness would be transformed to joy, that your shame would be transformed to celebration, that your loneliness would be transformed to radical comfort from his presence.